with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the I'm confused. We have the world's first haunted radio show now. Hey. Oh, well, we're actually <laughs> going to talk about that later on. The haunted radio show? Okay. Oh, we're not going to play the we are on! Oh, we're on! Way, we're on! I just hey! Got actually, I got the message two minutes ago and didn't notice it. Uh, yeah, yeah, we're <laughs> nice! Ghost Chronicles, uh, <laughs> next generation, international, stirring the crap out of the cauldron. And I am Rod Kulik, your host, and with me is the amazing uh, blonde bombshell herself, Ann Kerrigan. Good evening. Surprise. Yes. We're such a surprise we're on the air. Hello. Yes, and also with us is the the star of Stirring the Cauldron, which is Cauldron? Trump. Yeah, Mala Brooks. <laughs> yes, I'm here. And coming from tomorrow is the gold standard of ghost hunting, Steve Parson. Present's incorrect. Yeah, there you go. So anyways... Uh, always gonna... correct. That's yes, the I important have... bit. I always are. But anyways, uh, this is the second installment of the three-part installment of Ghost Chronicles International Next Generations during the Cauldron, dealing with the fabulous subject of haunted objects. So when we started this show yesterday, uh, no, was it yesterday? I'm so confused. Could be. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, two days ago for Steve, depending. I don't know. I'm not, I, can't, I don't get all this time <laughs> travel stuff. is driving me nuts. But anyways, uh, I said, who can we get on the show that knows all about haunted objects? How about somebody who wrote a book on it? So I got onto my little um, computer thingy and messaged this guy I used to know when he lived up here in Massachusetts, and he wrote this fabulous book about, co-wrote this fabulous book about haunted objects. And he is all right guy. Uh, you know, <laughs> he moved to Florida, but what can you say? He is Chris Bozzato. Good afternoon, or good, I guess, morning for some of you, and afternoon for <laughs> others, and evening for others. What a, mm. So how come they get... The amazing Ann Kerrigan, the fabulous Marla Brooks, and some guy who I used to know. Uh, excuse me, how did you greet me when you uh, jumped on the Skypes? Okay, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> Payback's a bitch, remember that. Oh, wow. It is, it is. All right, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mind my P's and Q's here. Tough audience. Shoot. Really? Tough wow. host. Jeez. Tough host. So we are, we are uh, we're kind of stuck for time. So if you got something to say, Chris, can you, you get on to it so that we don't have to waste too much time on this chit-chat? <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> Generally, when I go on a show, someone asks me questions, and I answer them and offer insight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that would be like on a regular show. We don't do that That's crap. True. That's really? true. Really? Yeah, like, you know, it, it's funny because we were, we were offered, uh, you know, uh, the book. I was initially, originally approached for it, and it was well before – uh, the TV show uh, Haunted Collector was on, and it was just kind of like, you know, the idea of haunted objects was just kind of like coming into into fashion. So by the time the book was out, like three years later, we were old, you know, we were old news. But uh, there are some really, really interesting stories in it, and it really is 
kind of one of those uh, um, things that I, I think people are even more attracted to haunted objects than they are to like a haunted house or just a plain ghost story. Mm, I think so. Is, is that book you, you know, like, Chris, is you could probably book? never move into a haunted house, mm -hmm. but the idea of picking up something that, or, or, or someone who passes, you know, their, their energy being stuck into an object is something I think a lot of people can relate to and get freaked out by. Okay. Absolutely. Is, is that book still available, Chris? Um, it is available from Amazon. Yeah, it is available from, from uh, booksellers. The, the publisher itself was like, you know what? This book's not that good, and they discontinued it. So you might be able to find <laughs> it. Near you. Wow. Which is funny because it's such a good, you know, like I've, I've, it is a good book. I've written seven books. They're not all great. I really like that book. And we had a lot of push behind it, you know, because, you know, Tim's got a big microphone and I've got a big microphone. And yet, if for some reason that book just didn't catch on, but, you know, I've got like, you know, 20 dusty copies in my bait, in my attic, uh, if, or I should say my garage, if, if anyone, uh, if, if anyone wants one, five bucks. One of them. If, if they wanted to contact you to, to uh, get one of these autographed signed books, how could they do that, uh, Chris? Um, my email is spookytripping at gmail.com, or you can just find me on Facebook under my name. Spooky. I'm the handsome one if you go on Facebook and type yes. Christopher Balzano. <laughs> hey, Chris, why don't you just stick them on eBay and say that they're haunted? There you go. <laughs> yes. 45 full price of $45 a piece. I guarantee they're cursed. If you pick up this book, much like me, your writing career will be over. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Chris, no, you know, it, it is a really cool book in that, you know, it, it covers some bigger cases like Robert the Doll and Annabelle, you know, before she was even as famous as she is now. And like things like the Titanic, but then it also covers like a lot of personal stories too. So it just, and it's kind of got like a little bit of a, you know, here's a little bit of folklore about something like this, and then here's a real story from someone that approached us with with something. So it's an interesting mix. It, it can be used as both like a folklore handbook and also, you know, as as a nice, cool collection of ghost stories. So, what's your favorite story in there? You know, the, <laughs> you can't say Robert the Doll, by the way. <laughs> well, you know, uh, visiting Robert the Doll allowed me to um, to. Uh, Right off on my taxes, my entire 10th anniversary trip, which happened to be to Key West. Oh, um, I'm divorced now. I don't know if the two things are connected, but. Uh, <laughs> oh, the curse of Robert. Oh, my God. It's funny, like, you know, dolls and, and, and jewelry, and I've got a really cool jewelry story, too. But, you know, it's, it's the story that sticks with me is about this, this file cabinet. You know, these people went to a yard sale they got a file cabinet it was really cheap they're like you know who can't use a file cabinet you know and and they and they got it and almost immediately uh the wife started having these really strange dreams uh and she started to see this uh figure of an older woman in her room who would just like be staring at her and be talking to her but like no sound was coming out and, and this went on for a few weeks and they got more disturbing and then she started waking up and seeing her and she couldn't decide whether she was asleep or awake. And then they started to, you know, she would find herself sleepwalking um, and ending up in the mud room where this file cabinet was. And the woman would be, you know, holding the file, you know, like touching the file cabinet, asking the woman to come, like still talking, still talking, like, you know, trying to, to do something with this file cabinet. They looked through it. They couldn't find anything. They, they went all through it. And then the, the, these appearances started getting more violent. The woman 
uh, would wake up. She would know she was awake and not dreaming anymore. And yet she would almost be in this like cloud. Like she couldn't even feel her husband next to her in the bed. And the woman would be like angrily yelling at her, getting more and more violent. Uh, until one time she actually ran across the room and physically grabbed her because she was sitting up in bed, physically grabbed her, was shaking her and like trying to talk to her and the woman couldn't hear it. Um, she would, she would wake up, uh, you know, from a sleep, like she'd fall asleep, she'd wake up and she would be, she would find herself in the mudroom, uh, with the drawers open, uh, of the file cabinet, just things like all this stuff. And, you know, the husband wasn't experiencing anything and he thought she was crazy. Crazy. And then finally, just one night, they just tore the whole thing apart. And um, they found a woman's birth certificate in there. And they tried to do research because she had this weird dream after that where the woman was almost like gentle to her, like, yes, you've done it. You've done it. Now do something. And, you know, a friend of hers was like, well, you need to get the birth certificate to her kids or her husband. Like, you got to find the family and give it back, which is, you know, a very common theme with haunted objects, like this unfinished business thing. And they looked and they looked and they could not find it. There wasn't enough information. They tried to do searches. Uh, and then, you know, they finally gave up on it. They were like, we're not doing this anymore. And the woman, like, threw it away and was like, that's it. I'm done. Uh-oh. And that night, uh, they woke up because um, the fire alarms were going off. And there had been a <laughs> fire set in the sink. Okay. And Uh-oh. the um, birth certificate was actually burning in the sink. And their first instinct was to put it out. But they just kind of both stood there. And watched the thing kind of like burn down to ash. They washed the, the ashes, you know, down the sink. And then they never experienced the ghost ever again. It was almost as if the ghost had given up on itself. That it would never be kind of like this, this part of themselves would never be reunited with the family. Hmm. That's wow. sad. That's yeah. the most bizarre thing I've ever heard of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, like it's also one of those things where it's really creepy because you bring home the most mundane thing from a yard sale. Right. And, you know, they actually had some trouble getting it home. They, the, 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 the straps broke that they were trying to tie it in on, and the car kind of, like, went down, you know, like, like was having trouble, and they had to, like, go back and, 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 and get gas and all those weird things like that. And it was almost like a precursor for it. And then finally it was like that birth certificate. And, and you know, in some ways it's sad because, you know, is that soul still on Earth? Is that soul still trapped here somehow if you believe in that kind of thing? But but ultimately, the people who, who had the birth certificate were like, we don't care. We tried. We don't care. We just want that thing out of our lives. So, mm-hmm. Wow. I'm the amazed they kept it. Oddly enough. <laughs> I mean, when all that was going on, wouldn't you have gotten rid of it? I would have. Um, you know, I, I, it's, it's one of those things. And, and when she told me the story, she explained it this way, especially the aspect with her husband. And this, once again, is really, really common in haunted objects that appear and disappear or where things happen um is that you know you think it's a coincidence you think oh well i'm becoming fixated on it somehow it's not real what i'm ex- it's not really a ghost it's just a dream you know oh, come on a file cabinet like i think she honestly didn't until they really found the birth certificate in it i don't think that they think they thought that it was really happening to them hmm. that makes sense you know there's a um so I, you know i'm doing this this whole tripping on legends thing and we went to a devil's tree in Port St. Lucie, and we cut off some of the bark. Row. And from the moment we did that, we started having really bad luck, right? We couldn't find a hotel room in Orlando, the land of hotel rooms. <laughs> uh, we had car problems. There were other things that were going weird. And, and, and 
her and I were kind of like getting into arguments, like silly art. And then we stopped at a gas station to fill up. We kind of both looked at it. I went to go throw it away, and the thing almost jumped out of my hands into the garbage can. And mm. boom, all of a sudden, the car was perfectly fine. We were in cheerful moods. And, you know, it, it's, you wonder whether these haunted objects we put, as, as people who suffer through them, put as much energy into it and feed these things as it does something from beyond the grave who's kind of attached to it. Right. Hmm. That's amazing. So do you guys, I'll ask this to all of you, do you have any qualms about picking up something at a yard sale or a thrift shop or something? Hell no. I don't, I don't uh, either. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I don't. If if I can find something that's got a curse or a haunting attached to it, it's like like a magpie. Yeah. Yeah, you know. Particularly with an iguana. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, remind me never to go shopping with you, Steve. Thank you. <laughs> one of the um, one of the the stories in the book has to do with uh, a famous case in New York, which I don't mention by name, but which starts with A, which everybody knows. Okay. And okay. the person who had killed his family uh, in the house before it became okay. uh, famous, mm-hmm. um, I was contacted as potentially writing his life story, mm-hmm. uh, and this person said to me. You know, the, the person who is kind of speaking for him, I'm having a lot of really strange, ghostly stuff happen. Do you want, do you, you know, since I brought his files into my house, do you want them? <laughs> and <laughs> my initial reaction was yes. And then even during the conversation, both of my kids who were sleeping started to, like, cry really, really heavily. Uh, mm-hmm. I, you know, the phone kept breaking in and out during this conversation. I'm like, ah, I'm not really sure. Let me sleep on it. Um, and then I started seeing a dark figure in my house, kind of like a shadow person, kind of walking from room to room. And I said, you know what? Like, I got a family. No, I don't want it. And immediately my co-author, Tim Weisberg, was like, I'll take it. I'll take it. I want it. I want to yeah. my house. <laughs> so ultimately, we didn't, yeah, he didn't end up taking it. But it was one of those things where it's like, yeah, like, you think you want it. And then all of a sudden you start thinking, like, okay, how is this going to impact the people around me? I'm cool with it. Right. But, like, you know. My, 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 when it starts messing with my kid, that's kind of where I draw the line. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's pretty cool. But, uh, in fact, we're going to talk about uh, an item that has quite a bit of haunting attached to it later on. And uh, people actually pay good money to have these things in, in their houses. They, they're not afraid of them at all. You think that's more of a frame of mind or... Or is it you're susceptible, Chris? What do you think? Um, like I said, I mean, I think that I I draw um, um, I draw ghosts in with stuff like that. You know, like mm-hmm. um, my co-host now, Natalie, Chris, uh, she's dying for a little bit of Ron's special brew. Um, <laughs> when, he really when? draws things in, <laughs> and, I, and I think when when it was just me. Uh, and even when it was, you know, when, when I was married and was my wife at the time, like I had no problem with that. Um, but I saw specifically that that a case um, impact them even after we said no. Um, and, and, and that even though the objects never came into our house, there was some kind of residue from it that impacted them for at least a year after that, like very specific things having to do with that case and that, you know, mm-hmm. that uh, the, the, some of the more famous elements of it. Um, kept impacting my kids and that's where I draw the line. Like I can take a ghost 
I just um, I don't want that stuff uh, impacting my kids. And and when you're you're doing you know investigating or legend tripping like I'm doing now, you know there's an aspect of it that's always dangerous, but you think that you're going to leave it there. Uh, so to actually have something come into my house that I know is, especially now with kids, definitely uh, not on my menu. Right. Well, unbelievably, but we have to say goodbye to you now. Oh, my goodness. Okay. I think I've been on too long anyway. Yeah, I know. That's the, <laughs> Holy that's the way I look. After the first five minutes, I thought that, but that's another story. Oh. I know. I was like, I'm just going to keep on talking until they throw me off, until they give me the, the hook. So <laughs> I, I really appreciate you guys having me on as some sort of expert, question mark, I guess. It was. It was an expert. <laughs> I, I, I personally asked for you, personally. <laughs> Right. Because Tim right. wasn't free tonight, so you asked for me. That, thanks a lot, man. No, Tim's not speaking to me anymore, so that's why. Oh, <laughs> nice. No, anyways, Chris, nice thank you very much for your – and we're gonna, we will have you on the show again uh, to talk a little bit more about some of your other stuff as well. But, uh, you know, we're on a tight schedule, so. I got, I've got you guys. You guys run a professional ship over there. Yeah, I know. It is. It's like Apparently you know, so. Well, well-oiled machine, just the way I look yeah. at it. Just look oh, at the wait till tomorrow right. night. No, just look at tonight's opening, right? <laughs> yeah. Professional. Yeah. Chris, thank you All so right. much. Well, thank you very much, guys, for having me on. Bye, Chris. All right. Bye, Bye, Chris. All right. Bye. Have a great night. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. Oh, okay. Jeez, Ron. Maybe you could give him the bums rush faster. Hey, be quiet. I don't give you the bums rush. I, wow. got, all, I got all the buttons right here. I can just press one Fine. of them. And... I, hey, I can take my history. go to the corner. No problem. Okay. So if Ben is listening, we have a couple of audio clips that uh, we did some work on and we want to play. Ben, can you hear me? Ben, 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 Ben. Ben, are you there? Like, go and chat. Let me know. Yes. All right. There he is. Okay. So uh, yeah, on yesterday's show, uh, we, uh, uh, Mahler, uh, played some crappy, I mean, some, uh, clips that we couldn't <laughs> hear anything on. And, uh, so she sent it to me and, and I sent them to, uh, Jim Stonier, my, my EVP guy. And he, uh, you know, had to do it the last minute, but he, he pulled out a couple of things for him. So we're going to play these, these clips now. These are the cleaned up versions of them. And there's, there's just a couple of pieces. So Ben, can we play anyone, any one of them? Anyone at all? Anybody? <laughs> Is there anybody there? If you could hear me. I'm trying to find him real quick. Oh, <laughs> hello, hello. Okay, okay. <laughs> all right. Keep talking. Give Ben yeah, a second so, to find Yeah, him. so give Ben just okay. a second. Yeah, well, you know, it's it's an oil, well-oiled machine, so sometimes the oil gets a little crappy. Yeah, um, well, no, it's interesting is. that Chris was talking about cursed objects and cursed and jewelry because, um, I don't know, are we still doing stories because I have a story no. about a cursed pendant? No, no. All right. We're not doing stories. We've only got a few minutes left. We're going to play these clips and so we can move on to our next right. subject. Screw you. Yes. We have another Thank subject. We have many subjects. Yes. Really? Uh, so if we have the audio, that would be really awesome if we could. I was just filling in time, but. There we are. All right. It's ready. Okay. Yes, Ooh, All right. Take a let, breath, Van Helsing. Let, let one rip, Ben. <laughs> Play that about three times for us, please. No, it's <laughs> 
So that is the clear voice in the background. It's still a little fuzzy. Robert. <laughs> Did you hear her say Robert? Yes. Yeah, okay. The next one, uh, which we pulled out, and, and these sound so much better than not on the air, is uh, a voice that says, call Robert. Really? Yeah, so can we have that one, please? but it's much clearer yeah, than it's what clear. I think. Yeah. It says uh-huh. call Robert. So those are two that we pulled out of there anyways. And that's from uh if you do weren't on yesterday's show, Marla, why don't you tell us a little bit what that was? That was uh part of an interview I did with Robert's keeper at the time, for lack of a better word. Um <laughs> and she swore that she was in the museum all by herself. And as we were talking, I didn't hear this and um Apparently, she didn't either. I don't know. Um, but when my producer the next day played it back, he almost wet himself a couple of times because <laughs> he said he heard this thing. And, and like I said yesterday, ran to get his wife to make sure he wasn't crazy. And it, it literally scared the bejesus out of him. Now, we don't know if it's, you know, somebody was playing a prank or somebody was doing it on purpose or whatever. Ron, when your guy, the EVP guy, because you know what they say, and I don't know if this is true because I've never gotten an EVP in my whole life. I suck at that really badly. Mm-hmm. Um, but they said that EVPs or voices from beyond come on at a different decibel than regular people's voices. Did did you hear, hear anything really? about that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. But it just comes it comes down in a different level. And I think it's decibels. It could be some other technical word that Steve probably knows that I don't. Probably um, frequency. Everything's about frequency. Well, yeah, that's true. But um but they said there there is a whole like like I'm just throwing numbers out there, but but the human voice comes through at nine hundred and a voice that doesn't belong to humans comes in at about 2,000 or something like that. I mean, there's a great difference in the in the graph or the scale or whatever between well, the Well, the interesting thing about it, Mahler, a true EVP is really not a, not a recording, but really it's a manifestation. Mm-hmm. And, and that's why you don't hear it while it's being recorded, only on playback, because right. the, the theory is, uh, the original theory was that uh, the spirit manipulated white noise on the recorder and manifested the voice on it. So I don't well, know. That's, that's, that's not strictly true. Uh, the original, well, that's, the original that's theory, strictly the, true according to the AAEVP, but that's yeah, well, that's, their, that's their original theory. Yeah, exactly. We're in America. We're, you know, we, we advance a little bit farther than this. Well, let's let's wind the clock back <laughs> to the 1920s. Yeah. When EVP right, was being looked at here in the UK by the spiritualist movement, and they they didn't have any particular in, in AC or DC power where they used they that. didn't have any particular theory as to how the spirits manifested. In fact, different factions within the spiritualist movement, when they encountered the phenomena, most notably at the Wigmore Hall, where the voice broke through uh, a loudspeaker system, um, they. The, you know, there were several competing theories. Uh, the the white noise theory really only dates from the Raudiva era, from um, exactly. sort of the 60s and 70s. So, right. this right. idea that it, is a, that it is an original theory is is actually slightly misleading. Um, and the, the actual mechanism of the white noise itself is again subject to variation because some suggest that it's actually the white noise is merely there to raise the 
um, awareness of the other sounds or that it uplifts the sounds. It's a phenomenon called stochastic resonance where by applying audio, you actually uh, uh, increase the listener's awareness of uh, existing sounds. You're effectively raising the energy of the sound of the sound wave, of the sound carrier wave. Hmm. That's so there are there are several. Con- yeah, well, I wrote the book on it, so yeah. Uh, that's what I, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Very yeah. interesting. Yeah. So, All yeah. very interesting. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. And I. I <laughs> As regards what Marla said about frequencies, the human voice is actually incredibly wide in range of frequencies. Thank you very much. Fair enough. Uh, But the human voice, the human vocal range, is actually quite quite uh, large in terms of its frequency range. I mean, uh, a normal male human uh, can speak at around about seventy hertz and can go up to two or three thousand, and a female typically can start at several hundred hertz and again. Um, can push further beyond, um, and some singers, of course, can hit you know uh, right. a, a very large range of frequencies. Right, and the, and the English voice is just about the right level to put you to sleep. I'm just saying. Anyways, moving right along. Uh, oh, we only have two minutes late. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's all. Uh, that's that's an intriguing thing. Uh, Jim was quite impressed by your uh, recording. Uh, Mahler, and we, we are going to do some more work on it as well, but we, we didn't have a, a chance to end the thing. But we got one minute left, so anybody else wants to say anything in one minute, please please speak your brain. Well, what did you guys think of it yourselves, of, of what you heard? I thought it was really cool, to tell you the truth. Okay. To be honest, the first the first playing of Robert sounded actually like two two separate um, portions, Rob, Ert. There were two yeah. Oh, that's that's because I actually slowed it down. That was my, my doing. So it's been edited and manipulated to sound like Robert, then? No, it has not. <laughs> yes. I made it sound well, like Robert. You just admitted down. on air that you mm. just manipulated the recording. To I want to hear the like growling. I did not manipulate the freaking recording. You just recording. said you did. I said I slowed it down. You, which is so a manipulation. So English could understand which is a manipulation. So slow which is a manipulation. Yeah, well, I can see we run out of time. So, anyways, you're listening to Ghost Chronicles International Next Generation during the Quad Room right here on Pararex and TojiNet. And we are here with uh, Marla Brooks and Carrigan, the amazing and all-knowing Steve Parsons and the humble Ben Helsing. Right back in the following messages. Oh, my Can you hear me? My name is Harry Price. I am speaking to you via the medium of the Ghost Box. Many of you will know I carried out the first live radio broadcast from Haunted House way back in 1936 for the BBC. Now, thanks to the wonders of modern technology, I am still able to keep abreast of 21st century ghost hunting by listening to Ghost Chronicles International on Togginet, Para-X Radio, The Ghost Channel, and even on something called a podcast. Two splendid chaps host it. One is an American who calls himself New England's own Van Helsing, although I have discovered his real name is Ron Kolek. The other is Stephen Parsons, and he's a paranormal scientist. Well, mustache, I'm required elsewhere on something called a K2. But don't forget, I'll be listening in every Tuesday from 8 o'clock in Great Britain and 3 o'clock on the American Eastern Seaboard. I trust you will join me there.
feel the need to do some soul searching or make some changes in your life to create a more positive future? Then Circles of Wisdom is just the place for you. Circles of Wisdom is a metaphysical bookstore and more, located on Route 28 in downtown Andover, Massachusetts. We carry a large selection of books and music, crystals and gemstones, jewelry and gifts, sage, aromatherapy, and so much more, all in a relaxing and welcoming atmosphere. We offer classes on a variety of topics like yoga, Reiki, psychic development, alternative healing, and personal transformation. For guidance on this journey we call life, get a reading from one of our many readers at Circles of Wisdom, 90 Main Street in downtown Andover, right next to Bertucci's. Call us at 978-474-8010 or check us out on the web at www.circlesofwisdom.com. Lots to see and do in a feel-good place, an oasis in this hectic world. Now there's a phone ringing, and I believe <laughs> we have another guest coming on shortly. And we do, and someone who I have just completed my third book with, and she's a longtime uh, partner of mine. Uh, everybody thinks she's my wife, but she isn't. Uh, Ma- uh, Maureen Wood. Maureen? Hello. Hey, did you have to lead in with that? It's true. I, I, went, I did a lecture yesterday, and I put up the picture of you and I, and it said, oh, is that your wife? I said, no. Uh, She's like 20 years younger than me. How can she be my wife? Maureen was turning over in her future grave. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Oh, my goodness. No. Nothing so, against you, Ron, but no. You sound like crap. What's up? It's no. Oh, yeah. I have not lost my voice ever. When I say ever... Ever. And Ron asked me to come on the show and talk about something that's a haunted item. And what happens today? I'm in a conference call, and within minutes, I now am losing my voice. Oh, my God. Exactly. It's all Ron's fault. It, it is. Well, I'm Ron. And the reason I brought her on is, is because this is the type of stuff that, that happened. Maureen and I started the first Ghost Chronicle show a hundred years ago, and one of the persons we had on the show was who, Mari? Uh, I, you know, honestly, I don't remember his name, but it Jason. was for the Dybbuk. Huh? Jason. Jason. All right, Jason, and it was for the Dybbuk box. Yes. Ah. Yes. And um, it's, that, go ahead, Ron. So why don't you tell us a little bit of what happened Well, when we had him on the show? Okay, well, when we had him on the show, um, the temperature in the, in the room just plummeted. It got freezing, um, and it was this tension, not that there would normally not be. When Between we were you and show. I? <laughs> <laughs> right, but it no, really no. was, you could feel this very angry energy is what you could feel. Um, and so, Ron, when we went to, after that, we were heading to the Wyndham restaurant, if I mm-hmm. recall, yeah. to go to dinner. Um, and while we're at the Wyndham restaurant, we're all sitting there. And what was the comment you made, Ron? Uh, I'm bulletproof. 
Yeah, okay. So we're talking about the Dybbuk box and how, you know, it wasn't a great idea to talk to that person on the phone and on the radio. And, um, and oh, here we're doing it again. Um, <clears throat> but anyway, we said, you know, Ron's like, I'm bulletproof. So what happens? His chair falls over backwards. <laughs> uh, he really did. He went flying on his hiney, okay, within <laughs> seconds of saying that. My tiny hiney. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, right. And then it got <laughs> worse, actually. Because poor him and St. Jan, who, you know, luckily they were safe, but when they left the restaurant, um, they got in a car accident. Oh, no. Somebody sideswiped them, and it was, you know, as if they... Actually, they they basically T-boned us. Yeah, yeah. And they said they didn't see us, and we were driving a white white car. Yep. Hmm. That's... Go ahead. And, and the, the interesting thing is, is we had uh, we not only had the the owner of Jason who owned the the uh, Dybbuk box when it became famous, uh, but we actually tracked down the original owner. Uh, we actually, you know, we started talking about this Dybbuk box. We haven't really told the story of it. Do you remember the story? I remember parts of it, but how I originally found out is um, I believe I had got somebody was on eBay um, and had noticed this information about what they call the haunted item, and they were trying to sell this haunted item, and it was a Dybbuk box. And so I talked to Ron, and Ron thought, well, this is great. This would be a wonderful idea. Why don't we get a hold of this person and see if we can't discuss what's going on and um, figure it out, and I have to tell you that Dybbuk box just has a trail of pain um, and horrific events associated with it. So one of the before we even tracked it down with this individual, I'll never forget. I got a hold of this person on a Friday night. They were talking to me and telling me how terrified they were about this Dybbuk, Dybbuk box, rather, and they wanted some ideas of what they could do. So as he was going to call me back, I sent him an email and explained to him some things, and I brought up holy water, I brought up blessings, I sent off some prayer info. Um, He called me, and I wondered why he never responded that Friday night, and then he called me on Saturday from his office to tell me that as he was reading the email about how to do the blessing, his computer caught on fire. And Yeah, and everything melted. So he was terrified to actually continue at his house, and he took over the conversation at his office. Wow. Yeah. It was uh, many, many different things associated. And um, basically, the Dybbuk box had started off, and um, if I recall, I'm trying to remember the whole thing about it, Ron, but I think it was something that was bought at a yard sale or a garage sale. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was uh, uh, basically a wine cabinet, but... Uh, this uh, old lady, uh, he bought it for his uh, mother for her birthday, and uh, he owned a furniture store, and he was in the furniture store, and, and he had the cabinet there, cause he, and he was in the office, and then all the guys come running, and, and his wife, his mother was on the floor. Uh, she had basically a stroke, and they rushed her to the, the hospital and, and all this stuff, and she, she really didn't want anything to do with that. Dibbit box, but there's a, there's a long story with it. Uh, yeah, yeah the, uh, the, uh, the government came in uh, while the Dibbit box was in there. They, they collected all the computers from this guy, and uh, 
took them away for a year, never telling them anything about them, and they finally returned them. Uh, there was a, uh, it's a huge story behind it. That this was the original guy that we had on, and uh, it was it was intriguing. Then the, the the guy that bought it, Jason, was a, a museum curator, and he didn't really believe too much about it. But uh, he had a whole series of events as well uh, happen to him. And I have to admit too, because when I Maureen was going to call in, but uh, Tojanet, oddly enough, was having problems getting calls called in, so. Uh, I had to get her number to send to them. And when I went to send her an email, my computer just totally shut down. I mean, the whole screen went blank and then went up again uh, after I sent the email. So really bizarre stuff. Well, and, I mean, and even back in those days, Juan, when we were talking, we were really talking with this person back and forth many times. And my mm -hmm. kids were probably in their teens, and I'll never forget when I, this person called me yet again on one day and we're having this conversation, and he started explaining to me that what people would smell was either a smell of jasmine or smell of cat urine. Yeah. Um, oh. And there was, yeah, something loping, creeping thing was going around them, and all of a sudden my daughter comes in the room and starts saying to me, Mom, I see the smell of sickly flowers is, like, coming up from the basement. Oh, um, my God. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, you know, that, I, I said to Ron, I think I'm done talking with him. I, I'm not going to be talking with him about this anymore. Um, mm -hmm. You can talk with him. Or if we do talk to him, we'll talk, talk to him together on the radio. And it just, it's a very um, eerie feeling. And all the different lists a mile long um, of problems that this person encountered. I mean, even to the point where... At first, he had it in his house, and he was making a joke about, oh, ha-ha, you know, he traveled and everything would be fine. Um, and he made this joke that, you know, people were just crazy for believing it, and he left the house, and he said that there was a 100-year-old oak tree that was outside his house forever. And he said it would have to take about 15 people to put their arms together and make a loop around this tree. And he said there was no wind and no problem, but he got a call from his family, and the tree uprooted itself and crashed on his house. Holy crap! What? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that's that's a lot of the stuff that uh, happened on it. So, you th what do you think? This is all coincidence, uh, Parsons? Uh, yeah. Well, no, absolutely not. But how much of that is overascribed? Um, coincidence in terms of events take place and because they are unfortunate events because they're events that um you are, are, are unwarranted normally you know computers don't break down every day but they do break down cars Absolutely. don't cars don't crash every day but they do crash mm -hmm. things do, so you know when 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 you're when you have or you're in close proximity to an object that you have been told or you believe is haunted or cursed in some way, then if something goes wrong... I mean, I recall... In fact, you'll recall, Ron, I picked up a cursed object uh, a few weeks ago and we laughed about the fact that I'd picked up this cursed object from uh, somebody who wanted to get rid of it. And I'd taken it uh, from them and I went to look at it. And I was sitting down outside in the sunshine and to have a better look at it, I took off my favourite pair of sunglasses... The wind, a gust of wind came out of nowhere. It was a, it was a, been a calm day, and with a gust of wind that blew my prized Oakley sunglasses onto the floor and scratched oh. the lens. Oh. Now, now, 
at no point did I blame the the object seriously, but I did joke about it several times. That you know, within within half an hour of collecting them, the damn things had wrecked my Oakleys. Right, uh, and that's what people tend to do. They they'll they'll get something that's haunted. They'll you know they'll buy a haunted doll, and it will you know it will do something unusual, but not um, unbelievable. You know, there are, there are several haunted dolls in the office with me now, and I said yesterday, one of them, a rag doll, it's so, you know, the stuffing in it's so loose and battered that the damn thing won't stay on the shelf because yeah. it just falls like over. Me. Yeah, just exactly <laughs> like you. I've called it wrong. Um, and it just won't stay. You, know, you sit it upright, and a few days later, it slumped and fell off, and, it, and then it falls onto the floor. Now, it wouldn't be, for some people, that wouldn't be a huge leap then to say the doll is moving. Uh, but I, I would also uh, not rule out the, the possibility that objects themselves can pick up ill, you know, bad vibrations, ill karma, a curse, call it what you like. Mm-hmm. Uh, because there are lots and lots of cases where that seems to be the case. Okay. Where... Yeah, uh, I'm going to let Maureen go because like, she isn't feeling too good anyway. So, Maureen, we're going to let you go, okay? Okay, and, um, you know... All I say is when Ron told me today that the object is no longer bound in a certain location. Um, yeah, Zach has it. It gives me a very uneasy feeling to think that, and I mean, you really, we're only touching the surface to tell you the the different, you know, there was so many families that were affected, so many issues that happened, and it's just, to me, it's, it's sad that over money that um, this thing could potentially cause more harm. So, well, it is so, sad. It's only to Zach, so I don't feel too bad. The thing is, it's not doing Zach very much harm, is it? He's making no. a career out of it, and it's making yeah, him no. a great deal of money. So in his respect, it's very, very beneficial. It's a good right. thing, Zach. So I'm going to let Maureen go there, Steve. Maureen, thank you so much. Okay, no problem. You guys, guys have a great night. Yeah, Bye, Maureen. Rest. Feel Take better. Care. Yeah. Thank Love you. and light. Bye. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, Steve, you brought up a good point, and, and I'm going to ask Mahler uh, about this. Uh, Mahler, I mean, you know the power of intent. So do you mm-hmm. think a lot of this is self-appropriate, self Yeah, that. Yeah, that thing. Prophecy? I mean, like, Prophecy? You know, you, is that the word you're yeah, looking like, for being Self-appropriating. Okay. Uh, so, <laughs> no, it's still not right. Yeah, so, you know, self-fulfilling like, prophecy. That works. So, like, you get up in the morning and you you stub your toe getting out of bed, and you say, "Oh, I'm gonna have a bad day," and then you spill your coffee, and and then you you know uh, you have one thing after another. Is that you think that has something to do with it? Yeah, I do, because we can do that to ourselves very easily. The thought process and the brain, and it all works together. I mean, yeah. If you wake up, suppose you had a bad dream, but you don't remember it. So you wake up, and you get up, and you stub your toe. And you say, okay, this is going to be a really, really bad day. And then something really minor happens that you would overlook, you know, like you spill a little bit of coffee. That's what talking about. Yeah. And then, you know, you build it up. And it is, yeah. But. But it's still, I believe, you know, the intention to put a curse on or to put something into an object. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think it's possible. I mean, I've well, seen... In- interestingly, Marla, um, this this idea that you can directly affect your own luck has been tested by psychologists in, in, here in the UK, uh, including Professor Richard Wiseman. And they have actually concluded that you, you, you can, in effect, make your own luck. If you are a positive thinker, 
you are likely to have a better fortune than mm-hmm. someone who always looks uh, on life negatively and always believes that Absolutely. they're going to have a bad... And likewise, day to day, your outlook, uh, as you said rightly at the start of the day, can affect how you go for the rest of the day because mm-hmm. it directly affects your performance. So, I mean, a simple thing like you, you miss the alarm in the morning mm-hmm. and that throws you out, out of kilter for the rest of the day. Your yeah. responses in normal situations become slightly abnormal and mm-hmm. you start to manifest bad luck upon yourself mm-hmm. you do, and yeah. so that's been tested by psychologists and found to be you know uh, um you know a fact right and i think negativity is contagious i really do i mean if you're yeah, in yeah. a really really good mood oh, and right. somebody somebody comes in and talks mm-hmm. to you that's in a bad mood you you, you tank you yeah. know yeah. i mean it's it just like to me every yeah. tuesday at seven o'clock <laughs> <laughs> And you're not immune to it yet. Shame on you. No. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, no. I think it. I think intent in a lot of things plays plays a very big part for good and for bad. And it's the sole basis of, of all magic, isn't it? You know the yep. uh, the the, the, the act of intent and will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. so this idea that we can impose ourselves, and this is something. I mean, Ron's Ron's favourite. Um, term at the moment is of course blame everything on quantum physics and quantum physics kind of supports that idea in this idea of if you fix something by examining it or by observing it and some some physicists have taken that uh, further by saying that we fix our own reality around us Mm -hmm. by observing the world around us and we we set the reality for ourselves Um, and you may have seen you know descriptions of the universe of we're living in a hologram or yeah, but but in fact, uh, you know, some some physicists have speculated that the world that we inhabit is actually set by those inhabiting it mm-hmm. by the Iraq that they're observing it. Exactly, it's a fixed and set reality. I, I know that I know that way back there we had a a question in the chat room, and I didn't want to ignore it. And I think that was from Stephen Scott, and he said something like, "Has there ever been evidential or extended investigation into supposed haunted objects to communicate?" with entities involved being spiritual or self-created. I should have scrolled through that one because we answered that about 20 minutes ago. Yeah, you answered it there, but it hasn't been answered on the air, you idiot. So, well, they should be in the chat room then, shouldn't they? Uh, the best part is always in the kitchen. So, the chat room. Always. so what was the answer to that? Uh, not by conventional organisations, um, by which I mean the Society for Psychical Research. Not that I'm aware of. Um, certainly, there have been paranormal uh, groups who have acquired haunted objects and then set about investigating them in their own sweet ways. These ways range like from. Crying, boy. Uh, well, you know, I mean, there's one that's going on at the moment here in the UK with one of the dolls, and uh, what they do f- uh, fairly frequently, at least twice a week is they sit it in front of a webcam on Facebook Live with two candles and a K2 and um, they Ooh. wait for it to do something. I got a job for my iguana. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, I wouldn't really, I mean, it's long term, I suppose, and it is an investigation of sorts, um, but I wouldn't really count that as any form of qualified investigation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what the candles are there for, I'm not quite sure. Um, what the K2s are for, I'm not quite sure. And to be honest with you, I'm not really sure what the dolls are for either, but there we go. <laughs> yeah, they're all there for ambiance. <laughs> Actually, what they're there for in reality is to garner Facebook likes and to garner go. uh, support yeah, the group. Right. 
Yeah. So I, I know the time is running out, and Steve, and you wanted to talk about that amazing jewelry that destroyed your Oakley glasses. So do you want to talk about that? Well, yeah. I mean, this is an object that was um, it was only recently given to me, what, two or three months ago? Um, yeah. And I'll stick a picture up in, in a little while when, when I finish telling you the, the, the tale, because a family locally here in West Wales got in touch with me asking how they ought to dispose of this particular cursed item. Um, so um, during the conversation, I discovered that it had been owned by their father, who was Scottish, but he, 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 he was now deceased. And during his lifetime, he was been an aerospace engineer and um, an inventor. He had several patents to his name. Um, after his death, his son and the, his, the son's family moved to West Wales and along with some other items and memorabilia of um, their parents, the father and mother, uh, the, this particular, uh, which was a silver pendant, uh, quite an unusual looking design. It, it was a sort of weird dagger arrow shaped thing with a sickle on the top and a, and a snake woven around it. But anyway, it was stored away in a drawer together with some silver candlesticks and some wooden aircraft models from the 1940s. Uh, they did also tell me that, that Dad had been a member of a secret group, which they said was like, like the Masons, like the Freemasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, as children, they always recalled, they always remember the pendant uh, being around, but they were always, always warned, as indeed mine are, uh, never to touch Dad's things. Um, and he often said, but they, they, they thought that perhaps he would have been joking that uh, that they would be cursed if if they ever did uh, anyway um, the the son who'd moved to West Wales gave the pendant he gave it as a gift to his wife who flatly refused to wear it so <laughs> it, it made her bad simply holding it and mm. she refused point blank to have anything to do with it or to wear it and it was stored in a drawer uh, until last year 2016 when Hubby decided he was going to get it out and display it. He, he was going to get some sort of frame made for it, together with some other trinkets of his dad's. Uh, and apparently, immediately, things began to go wrong. And one of this things going wrong again. The wife, of course, blamed the pendant. Um, and, uh, the, and the husband foolishly, perhaps foolishly, mentioned the curse, at which point the wife ordered it out of the house. Mm-hmm. Um, Instead, Hobby tried to take it to be blessed, um, and on his way to the blessing, he had a car accident. Imagine that. Mm. And, and during the following week, several of the domestic appliances in the in the household, uh, the fridge, freezer, and the washing machine, uh, spectacular broke and flooded the kitchen. Uh, and that was the point where they got in touch with me, and as I say, I collected it from them. Um, it's here. And it destroyed my Oakleys. No. <laughs> it is rather, quite beautiful, though. It a is. Rather, a gust of wind destroyed the Oakleys. Um, the object itself is hanging from a hook on my bookshelf. And is um, so it's about four inches long. I'll put a picture up in a minute. It, it appears to be solid silver. It's hallmark. Um, and it has what looks like to be a flint arrowhead um, in the middle of it. And then this weird sort of multifaceted dagger or arrowhead design around it with a half moon or a sickle or I've tried to contact I've contacted several um, occultists here in the UK uh, professors of the occult 
um, and experts to try and get get the symbology of it deciphered. And the, actually, the results of it are fairly conflicting. But it doesn't seem to resemble any particular organization, although every one of them has said it looks familiar, but they can't place it. And um, so the investigation as to which organization it may represent or whether it was a, a commissioned piece is ongoing. Um, but as I say, it did wreck my own things. <laughs> so there you go. I know we're, we're down to about uh, four minutes. Uh, anybody else would like to mention something? Any other stories? Or... Ah, uh, well. Three I, minutes. We have three minutes. Does anybody really have time for a story? <laughs> we could do, we could do I, the boss of the rough killer. <laughs> so anyways, I guess nobody does. Uh, it's, it's, it's been intriguing, this whole talk about haunted objects. And we looked at some and uh some personal experiences some uh you know famous cases and and we've had our own experiences uh as marla has with the the robert doll and and um steve with his oak leaves so it, it's intriguing stuff and i look forward to more of it tomorrow when we uh join marla brooks on pararex for stirring the cauldron next generation international and we've got Scott Michaels coming on too tomorrow. Oh, cool, cool. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, awesome. So we can do a one upsmanship, right? Even I can uh, talk. Oh, we can actually hear the bell. Wow. How wow. <laughs> is that? So I did want to mention that it's funny because I had uh, kind of put out a little note on my Facebook page. I'm like. Uh, to my friends, if anybody's had any haunted objects, message me and, and, and tell me about them. I want to hear about them. So one of my friends did contact me today, and she, of course, kind of blew right by the haunted objects part and just saw the haunted. So, uh, so I was on the phone with her for quite a while this afternoon, hearing about all her haunted experiences throughout her life. And But I thought that that was... A, I thought it was great that she shared them with me. And she said, oh, well, I don't want to waste your time. I'm like, no, Z, you're not wasting my time. You're not wasting my time. I may not use it now, but it's going to come up in the future. And uh, mm-hmm. so, But I do want to thank everybody who has contacted me about haunted objects, because I do have some more, and I hope I'll get to talk about them tomorrow. Yes. Well, it's up to Mala. She's the, the head honcho on tomorrow's show. I'm just the peon. Yeah, I'm putting my suspenders on, and I'm going to be the boss. No, well, um, you'll never hear about this cool haunted object I have. <laughs> you know I'm easygoing. Now stop. One of the most haunted objects I have in my collection, and I have proof of it too, which is even okay. Boring. Good. We'll talk it, about that. Is this an iguana? What is you with that iguana? I saw the picture. Did you not see that I posted it in the chat? Our chat. Yes, I did. Why are yeah. we posting stuff in chat? Why don't we post them on pages so everybody can I just see I just did. I just did. He's cranky tonight. Okay. I know. Wow. It's like, it's, it's like having a, a whole house full of kids. It drives me nuts. Uh-huh. And I don't even have any duct tape, so it's it's even worse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A whole house full of kids with an abusive parent. 
Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Anyways, it's time to say goodbye. There's the tunes. I want to thank uh, Marla Brooks from the West Coast, Ann Carrigan from the East Coast, Steve uh, Parsons from the European Coast, and me from the Merrimack Coast. <laughs> We're not European. We've Brexited. Oh, yeah, that's right. So you're from the, the Whaley Coast. Yeah. Uh, so, so thank you guys for, for yeah. helping. It's been a great show, and, and I really appreciate this. And, and uh, I look forward to tomorrow's show. So tune in to Parallax tomorrow. What time, Ella? 9 o'clock Eastern, and we'll there all be go. there. 2 a.m. in the U.K. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> you love it, don't you? I know. He's Sucker. so kind. He stays up. I love him. All right. Until right. next time, good night. God bless. Peace and light. Good night, everybody. Good night. Love and stuff. From ghoulies to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us good law. This is D.V. Kidd from...